Welcome back. It's Chase and Josh with Factor Fantasy. That's Chase and I'm Josh, and we're here to give you episode two in House of the Dragon today. Last week we covered episode one, started off strong, and today it continues, baby. So really excited to dive into this one. I know Chase took us through it all last week. I'm going to be guiding us here through it today, going through the quick summary, going through the debates, our takeaways, all that fun stuff. But before we get started, I'm going to turn the floor over to Chase to say a few words. It's another banger, man. We're climbing up the mountain, climbing up the hill of King's Landing, and we're burning it down, baby. Fuck yeah, let's have Jay Nelly take us away on this one. Uh, let's get it going, man. Malice in the chalice. Yeah. Off to the pit of misery with you. Glasses in the air. Drink it like Cheer. we don't care. <laughs> All right, going to go ahead and get started here. Episode two, the first thing I detailed is the opening scene. We see this man posted up on this beach, and we hear him screaming in agony, and the camera's panning, and we see these crabs like hanging on, on his body, biting and pinching the flesh off him, and it just looks super gross. And So you see his hands kind of posted up almost... You know, they, they someone took a hammer and a nail and just nailed it through his hands to the to that little wooden post on the beach and just kind of screwed. And that's a little bit of a foreshadow of what's happening in that area because right from there the scene moves to the small council meeting, and we learn that Sir Ryan of the Kingsguard passed in his sleep, and Sir Harold wants to make haste in finding Sir Ryan's replacement. So that way they can make the number of the Kings of a Guard back to the proper seven. Those would be seven Kings Guard, and he wants to make sure that's done sooner rather than later. That's when Lord Corlys comes in, and he's in a tizzy. He barges in and says that four ships have been lost in the Step Zones, and one of them was flying his own banner. And basically what Lord Corlys wants, he wants to seize control of the Step Zones by force. But the King, he's not prepared to start a war with the Free Cities. And Corliss tells Viserys that these pirates are not with the Free Cities. He kind of reminds Corliss that who provides them with the ships and the tender, and the tender is basically the payroll. So then Corliss tells him that the Crab Peter has no reason to fear the crown, especially since they allowed Damon to take Dragonstone uncontested. So now we know where Damon went from when he got booted off and he flew off on Caraxes with Missaria last episode. He ended up going to Dragonstone. He didn't return to the Runestone to go see his wife. No, he decided to... You know, slap the king in the face and go take Dragonstone. So uh, that that's uh, it's gonna play a role. That's when Rhaenyra she speaks up and offers a solution to send out the Dragon Riders as a show of force to the Crab Feeder in the Step Zones. And Lord Corlys is like, hey, that's a plan. And you know, the council kind of treats her like a child, not taking her seriously. And they just said maybe we should give the princess a task more suited to her station. And they give her the task of appointing the new King's Guard. So they take her out to the balcony, and she looks over the options, and they end up going, introducing themselves, and, and I guess really Sir Harold introduced them as they stepped forward and talked about their accomplishments or whatever. And at the end of the day, Rhaenyra decided to go with the person who had the most combat experience, which happened to be Sir Kristen Cole, which he was the dude who unseated Damon last week in the tourney, and I guess, on a technicality, won their little one-on-one battle after Damon turned his back and shouted to the crowd. And he got—he ended up taking the mace to Damon's back while he wasn't paying attention. So, however you want to score that one, I don't know. But anyways, that's who she appoints as a new Kingsguard is Sir Kristen Cole. And 
we learn which of the Dondarians knighted him. It was Sir Arlen Dondarian that knighted Sir Kristen Cole. So Otto Hightower, after she appoints Sir Kristen Cole as the new Kingsguard, he tries to tell her that other houses are more important allies to the crown, but she sticks to her guns and says, no, the king needs someone that has battle experience to protect him. So then the scene cuts to the room of what I call the old model city of Valyria that, that Viserys loves to just tinker around in, right? And we learn that the height of Valyria had over a thousand dragons and a navy large enough to span the seas of the world and that the glory of old Valyria will never be seen again. Because Alicent wonders if, she, if he thinks that Westeros could be a resurgence of old Valyria. And he's like, no. Back then, there were thousands of, over a thousand of dragons in the navy that could sail the fleet of the world. It was crazy. It almost reminds you of the, of the Roman Empire in a way. You never thought the Roman Empire would fall. And, you know, obviously the doom is what took Valyria, the, the grayscale, all that. We won't get into that today, but it's just interesting such a the powerful dynasty and empire coming to a fall you never think to see that over a thousand dragons over a navy they could scale the world who's going to stop that well i guess we learned <laughs> the world always has a way of correcting itself right but uh, to continue on i thought this was kind of funny you know viserys is, is disappointed that his relationship with rhaenyria has not soured but they don't have as good of a relationship as they once had and and Alicent gives Viserys the advice of going to talk to Rhaenyra, like having a, a you know a sit down. And th- this is a quote that Viserys said I thought was really funny. He said, "There are times I would rather face the Black Dread himself instead of my daughter of 15." <laughs> that was really funny. So, anyways, the sh- scene then shifts to Rhaenyra and Alicent, and Rhaenyra thinks that her father didn't really choose her as heir. He just wanted to spurn Daemon, and that's why he chose her as the heir. And they're in this room with candles all around. It's not the same room with the candles that Balerion Skull is in. It's like almost a prayer room in a way. And Allison actually convinces Rhaenyra to pray. And Rhaenyra, what she just wants, she wants her father to see her as more than just his little girl. And Allison tells her that she must make the effort because fathers don't know the language of their little girls. So, anyways, scene shifts from there, and Lord Corlys meets with Viserys and, and Rhaenys on the outside, and. Um, Viserys, he tells him his concerns where it comes to their enemies. He reminds Viserys that, number one, Queen Emma is passed. Number two, he named a girl to the Iron Throne for the first time in history. Number three, Daemon took the Targaryen seat in Dragonstone without challenge. And now a foreign power has established a colony in their most critical shipping lane. And so he's really pressing this issue with the Triarchy and the Stepstones. And, and he, we need some resolution. And so he, but he says, is, is for the most part, the crown is perceived to be vulnerable. And I thought this is a really cool quote that Lord Corley says to Viserys. He says, To elude a storm, you can either sail into it or around it, but you must never await its coming. I thought that was pretty dope. And so Viserys is like, well, I'm assuming you got some sort of plan. And Corlys, Corlys ends up giving his proposal. He proposes that they unite their families by Viserys marrying his daughter, Lena. It's a strong match, right? He, she's got true Valerian blood, and he's true Targaryen blood, and they're the only two surviving houses of old Valyria, so it makes sense from a match standpoint until you realize she's 12 fucking years old. But anyways, that's for, that's for a little bit later on in this episode. Anyways, uh, that, the scene shifts at that point, and Viserys has dinner with Rhaenyra, and again, it seems as if he's treating her like a child. 
she tries to you know bring up what happened in the small council when she this, she gave the advice maybe we bring out dragon riders and he's like hey pay no attention to it pay it no mind like almost dismissing her and she's kind of getting, getting annoyed but that's just a little bit more of their their relationship almost growing distant in a way at that point the scene moves to the maesters putting maggots on the king's finger and what don't have happened like chase had went through this last week he cut his finger on the iron throne and it seems to have infected. You can see it's starting, the dead flesh is starting to rot away at that pinky finger. And what the maesters are doing, they're putting maggots on the king's finger so that way the maggots are going to eat the dead flesh and stop the progression of the rot. That's the idea. Uh, and, this, and during this time, Viserys tells his hand, Otto Hightower, about the proposal from Lord Corlys. And obviously, Otto Hightower doesn't think it's a great idea. He's had this problem with Lord Corlys, you know, thinking that he's overreached and, and all this. And even the Grand Maester thinks it's a good idea, though, to, to unite the realm. So we've got, again, this this small council just doesn't agree on anything. They have, have the sides on one side on, on issues, other halves on a different side on issues. It's like, they're not really great advisors, but they can't come to an agreement on fucking anything. Anyways, Viserys ends, we end up getting, uh, after the Grand Maester tells him he thinks it's a good idea and how we unite the realm, Viserys does take a walk with Lena, and obviously we see she is super young. We, we learn that and this is the moment, and I was telling, we kind of alluded to it last week and how we were going to talk about it today, was we learned that Viserys was the last living rider of Balerion before Balerion died, which is pretty cool. And we kind of, then, you know, as they're walking, Lena, it goes from, you know, having casual conversation and she stops and, like, draws herself up and has this, like, speech prepared that, <laughs> that Lord Corliss told her to to uh to say to him and so she gives him that speech about how they'll be a good match and she'll provide him with heirs and you know they'll unite their their bloodlines and Viserys asked like you know is that what your father told you to say and he said what did your mother told you to say and she said I won't have to bed you till I'm 14 so you know, obviously she's younger than 14 and we learned later in the episode she's actually 12 so uh you know and he's easily in his 50s if not older maybe 50s 60s I'm not sure how old he is but I don't know. That's a that's a big age gap. Uh, Fifty and twelve. <laughs> so, oh my <laughs> gosh, dear lord, that is disgusting, man. Sorry to interrupt you, but that is that is gross. That is gross. Yeah, and like you. imagine you know being the father and just being okay with that, and even not even just being okay with it, being the one that proposed it. So that's you know, kind of see where Lord Corliss's heads at. He he just cares about the yeah. bloodline and legacy, and you know that's going to be a reoccurring thing with theme with Corliss. So. Anyways, moving on, uh, as they're having their walk, the camera pans to uh, Rhaenys and Rhaenyra, and they're having a little back and forth about how the realm will never accept the ruling queen. Rhaenyra tells Rhaenys that they just they didn't accept her, the queen that never was, but they already accepted herself, uh, Rhaenyra, because they, they knelt before her and pledged fealty in the throne room. And this is what Rhaenys says to her, and that's a cool quote. It says, Men would sooner put the realm to the torch then see a woman ascend the Iron Throne. And we're going to see if that, that is true or not in the future. So, At that point, the scene shifts to Alicent and Viserys. Viserys tells Alicent how the small council wants him to remarry. She asks who they have in mind. He tells her Lena, and she gives the whole you know, politically correct speech of, oh, it sounds like a strong match. I'm sure she's a kind woman, whatever. Uh, but she ends up giving him a gift. And that gift is the repaired dragon that he dropped off the model and broke on the ground. And so we're starting to see this little relationship grow between Alicent and Viserys. He's very touched that she 
gave she repaired that dragon and gave it back to him the little the stone dragon that the the masons made for the little model city he loves to look at all the time but uh anyways Otto hightower comes in and tells the king that he's needed and it's an emergency and that he needs to hear it for himself and so they go back to like the small council chambers and we learn that damon stole a dragon egg and he left a message behind. He's, he's so arrogant. It's ridiculous. This is what Damon said in that message. It is the pleasure of Damon Targaryen, the Prince of Dragonstone, and rightful heir to the Iron Throne, to announce that he is to take a second wife in the tradition of Old Valyria. She is to assume the title Lady Missaria of Dragonstone. Her grace is with child and is to have a dragon's egg placed in the babe's cradle in the custom of House Targaryen. And then he even has the audacity to invite the king to the wedding in two days. What a motherfucker, dude. What a guy. <laughs> that was crazy, man. What did you think about that? Oh, I thought it was fucking great. It was like basically like a big, like, it's interesting, too, because it's kind of like, I mean, I think he really cares about Masaria, but yeah, this was more like a big fuck you. Like, you just shoved me out of your council after, after telling me off you disinherited me like that's what this is this is a big fuck you that's <laughs> really what it is but i think he does really care about Masaria, which we don't want to give into spoilers but i'll let you take it away from there yeah i thought it was interesting so they're, they're, they're <laughs> the, the small council's trying to debate what to do because the you know, auto hightower and this is interesting this is where the small council actually agrees on something Otto Hightower is, uh, this is nothing less than sedition. And then even Lionel Strong, who is usually on the opposite side of Otto Hightower, is like, I, I wholeheartedly agree, Your Grace. And so now they're kind of deciding what they're going to do about getting this dragon egg back and you know, putting Damon in his place. And this is when Rhaenyra says some words in uh, Old Valyr- or High Valyrian and asks the, the person who, who made the report, I called him the witness, the witness of who saw Damon take the dragon egg, asks him, uh, Rhaenyra asks him what egg Damon stole and the witness tells her it was one of Dreamfire's eggs and it was the same egg that she chose herself you know Rhaenyra chose for Prince Balon's cradle which obviously Balon is the baby that died last episode uh, that was supposed to be the heir to the Iron Throne when Queen, Queen Emma died during childbirth when they cut her open so that's even more disrespectful they took the egg that was meant <laughs> for the heir that's just man he's just slapping in the face all over but <laughs> At that point, Viserra says that he will go himself and bring Damon back to face justice. Otto Hightower says he cannot allow it because it's too dangerous, and that he himself will take men and go to Dragonstone. And so Sir Criston assembled 20 of, the, of Otto Hightower's best household guards, and Sir Harold himself is going to join them too. And that's when the scene shifts to Dragonstone. We see Otto Hightower and his men come face to face with Damon and his men on the walkway. And it was cool. They kind of met in the middle area. We got Damon on one side. He's got his gold cloaks behind him. And then we got Otto Hightower. And we got whoever, you know, the king, his, his, not the king's guard. I'm sorry. Just Sir Harold of the king's guard and a bunch of his household guards on his side. And uh, they have a little back and forth, which ultimately ends up with Damon challenging Otto to take the egg from him. He even holds it out in front of him. He's like, you want the egg? Here you go. And this is, this is uh, the quote between the two of them. Otto Hightower says, Are you mad? You'd never survive this. Damon replies, Well, happily, neither would you. Otto says, To choose violence here is to declare war against your king. Damon says, Wonderful. 
crazy. And you you see that they they all start drawing their swords, and then the scre- the the camera pans to the sky, and you hear this like screech, and and then Caraxes the dragon flies down and ends up on the walkway behind Damon and his men. Basically, the dragon's got their back, and now. Otto Hightower and the men don't feel so confident because we got a whole dragon against him. And we're thinking, oh, damn, this is going to be bad. And Otto even looks back at his men and says, sheath your, your steel. We put it away. We got to figure out what we're going to do here. And then out of the fucking sky comes Rhaenyra flying on Serax's back and lands behind Otto and Hightower and his men. So we've got Damon and his men over here, Otto and his men over here, Caraxes on, on their side, Serax on this side with Rhaenyra over there, and... Rhaenyra just walks right up, straight up to Damon. She's a badass, man. I'll tell you what, she's something else. But yeah, she hops off the dragon, approaches Damon, and they kind of have a civil argument back and forth. They're speaking Valyrian to each other, and you know, she even offers that this is the main point of it. She she's like, hey, listen, what you want is to be heir, right? Well, here I am. I'm the only thing standing in the way of you and what you want. So she offers to let Damon kill her since he will have the throne if. she does, because at that point, Viserys has no more heirs, and he's got to, he would have to name Damon. And he, she basically challenges him, like, do it. And he, for whatever reason, and we're going to find out, uh, he can't bring himself to do it. So what he does, he turns away with his men and starts walking off, and then, like, angrily turns around and, like, tosses it like a basketball, the egg, back to <laughs> Rhaenyra, and she catches it. And so she was able to get the egg from Damon without any bloodshed, which is really impressive, seeing how the way that was trending with everyone's swords out before she got there. So, yeah, it was a boss-ass move by her to be able to kind of, you know, handle that situation. At that point, real quick, yeah, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt you. I was just thinking, like, how fucked up would that would be if he overtossed the egg and it went off the bridge. What if, like, she dropped it and it, like, cracked or it went off the fucking bridge? <laughs> like, he's, I could sucked. see Damon just be like, oh. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> I, guess it, I guess you shouldn't have come here. <laughs> Anyways, back to you, man. Like, how, talk about a Game of Thrones. Like, that would totally be a Game of Thrones move, too. Like, you do this whole thing to get this egg back, and he fucking tosses it off the bridge on accident. <laughs> back to you, man. I feel like at that point, those eggs seem pretty hard, so we probably just have Caraxes go down and fetch it or whatever. I don't know, but yeah, uh, yeah, that would <laughs> that would have caused an issue for sure. But now Damon's so-called wife to be, Missaria, she's pissed at Damon. He goes back to the little area in Dragonstone, the little room. I don't want to call it the whatever. I don't the quarters there, the the, the headquarters there in, in Dragonstone, and she's upset because she feels like he lied to her. He's like, you know, he told everyone that they were to be wed and they really weren't. And he said that she was with child and she wasn't because she has taken measures way back when to make sure she never could have children. You know, that's why she works in the pleasure houses. So that way she can never be threatened (laughs) with a baby. So it's funny because she had no idea that he was using her as bait. And it really hurts her feelings because she's like, I was here. You know, I wanted you to protect me. And, you know, I, I... I, she just realizes that she's just part of Damon's ploy to upset the king, and you know he she wanted him to protect her, and he put a big target on her back. 
That's what he did. She she even says she's like, you you can afford to play your games with the king. You're a Targaryen. No one's gonna do anything to you. But what do you think they're gonna do to a common whore like like me? They're gonna kill me. Like I came here with you to be liberated. I didn't come here to you know deal with this shit. You know. So she's really upset and. You know, I think this isn't good. Their their relationship probably isn't long to last. Just a foreshadow there. But <laughs> anyways, at that point, the scene shifts to Viserys. And he's talking with Lionel Strong. And he asks Lionel's opinion about the potential marriage, the marriage proposal of Lena Valerian and himself. And Lionel Strong's unencumbered opinion is that he should wed Lena Valerian. It would placate Lord Corliss and have Lord Corliss firmly at their side, strengthening the realm. It, and you know it would you know bring them all together and lord corliss is one of those you know, more powerful people in the realm he you know you think about the original game of thrones series that we make allusions to you know think about you know like the greyjoys the greyjoy fleet was supposed to be the strongest in westeros well this drift this fleet at driftmark far well outscales that they they are the best navy in the world is what we're meant to believe and so they, you know, the Targaryens rule in the skies, the Valarians rule in the seas. Who's going to stand against them? It would make sense. And so Lionel Strong tells him, yeah, you should marry her. You should get older. You know, whatever. You got to do what you got to do. So then as they're having that conversation, someone comes in and Viserys gets word that Rhaenyra returned from Dragonstone. Now he's upset because she wasn't supposed to be there. And he loses it on her because she could have died and that would be his only heir and they would be fucked so he's kind of giving her a hard time about it but the anger quickly subsides and they talk fondly about emma and they get to the elephant in the room which is him telling her that he's going to need to remarry and rhaenyra tells him look listen you have a duty to the realm mother would have understood and so do i so in a way he kind of has her blessing to remarry which is interesting because what ends up happening at the end of this episode now, Viserys, <laughs> at this point, calls a small council meeting and tells them that he has decided to take a new wife. And he made a huge pause about this. And we're thinking, all right, cool. So he's going to decide to marry the 12-year-old. Great. All right, whatever. And he says he's going to marry Alicent Hightower. So with, with Lord Corliss in there, insulted him to his face, basically, turned a really strong potential ally almost into an enemy and it just it, it made no sense it, it took everyone by surprise and Otto Hightower couldn't be happier obviously but that was a big <laughs> oh, that was a smile oh yeah man. <laughs> that was a big bombshell you know we had this whole thing that you know there was no parts really in this episode outside of her giving you know Allison giving Viserys that present of the repaired stone dragon that he broke there's no real you know, thing that would lead us to believe that this was the swap that he was going to make. Like, obviously, it made sense to us because like, they always try to put a plot twist in, so we all knew it was going to happen. But for people who maybe don't think that way and are watching just for pleasure, you're probably thinking, like, what the fuck? Where'd this come from, right? So it just obviously took everyone else by surprise in the small council room. And it upsets Lord Corliss so much that he leaves the room in anger. Like, he's a, like, this, is, this is ridiculous. And then... It also seems to have upset Rhaenyra as well because she leaves the room in haste too. And this is what I was talking about just a couple of seconds ago about how it's weird that she says she understood but then realized when, she, when, his, when her father decided to marry her best friend, now it seems to be a problem. And he was, she was fine with it when it was going to be Elena Valorian, but now it's going to be her best friend because you put them in a very weird position. Now her best friend technically is going to have 
power over her because she'll be the queen regent, right? Like she's going to be the, the queen and he's going to be the ruling king. And so she technically outstations Rhaenyra right now, even though Rhaenyra is the heir. And that, that you put them in a very weird spot. It's really, like, Viserys is the one that fucked up here. Anyways, uh, the scene shifts. And this is right after we get that, that you know, Lord Corlys storming out and, and Rhaenyra storming out. We learn that he's going to marry Alicent Hightower. So the scene shifts. And we see Lord Corlys like talking to somebody, and he's just in his chair, and he's he's going on about the importance of House Valarian and how they're just as ancient and respectable as Targaryens, and how in some uh, you know books and, and written documentations their line might go back even farther than the Targaryens, and so he's having this whole conversation, and we don't really know who he's talking to. You know, we might even think that he's just venting and complaining to his wife Renice. And then the camera pans and moves, and you see you sitting in the chair opposite him. It's fucking Damon. It's like Let's go. <laughs> Let's fucking go, baby. Let's go. So he's having a secret yeah. meeting with Damon because obviously Damon is on the shit list of the realm right now because he took over Dragonstone, stole the egg, caused a whole hoopla, almost put Rhaenyra in danger uh, just to get that egg back. And so, anyways, I got a little bit of dialogue between Damon and, and Corliss and. Damon, because Corliss is upset that he that the that Viserys won't give him leave to take the Stepstones by force, and Damon says, "It was never my brother's strongest trait." Corliss says, "What?" And Damon replies, "Being king." And then Corliss goes on, "The crab feeder is backed by powerful entities within the free cities who wish to see Westeros weakened, and the king's failures have allowed him to accumulate strength." If those shipping lanes fall, my house will be crippled, and I will not have Driftmark beggared while our king idles himself with feasts and balls and tourneys. And this is interesting right here, because Damon replies, not the way you would think. Damon looks back at him and says, I will speak of my brother as I wish. You will not. And Corus responds to him and says, Waiting in the step zones is a chance to prove your worth to any who might yet doubt it. We are the realm's second sons, Damon. Our worth is not given. It must be made. And that's the closing of the episode. Boom! Yeah. That's a one hell of a <laughs> cliffhanger. I'm telling you, these things, they, they know how to leave you on a cliff. They, like, this, this episode yeah. was great. You know, this, So far in the series, the first two episodes have really left you on really high notes. Can't wait. And then you're sitting there like, oh man, I can't wait till next Sunday where this damn episode comes out again. Yeah. So really great stuff there. But yeah, that was, that was a quick run through summary, man. Is there anything that I missed that you wanted to touch on or how we do there? No, I thought you crushed it, man. It was fantastic. You got to see the dragons. The rogue prince at his best. It was badass, man. It was all together. It was fantastic. I'd give it a nine eight as well. Same as last week. You give it the same you? as last week. All right, cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of a, a score straight out, you know, there wasn't so many foreshadows and full circle. So I gave last week a nine point two. This one was a, I don't want to call it a filler episode, but it definitely sets the tone for what's to come with him deciding to marry Alicent Hightower instead of Lena Velaryon. And because of that, a lot of things come into play later that maybe wouldn't if he had made a different choice. So I will say for setting the tone for the series is super important. 
Uh, I did really like the standoff between Damon and and Otto Hightower. Then all of a sudden, Cracks is on one side and Serax flies over. And so we had a potential for a really cool battle scene. We didn't get any sweet yeah. battle scenes this time, which you know last week had a few things like the tournament. And one of the things in the tournament we didn't really touch on too much, just because it wasn't really important, is that during the time that the baby was being born real fights started breaking out and there's a few people who killed each other yeah. during the tournament right so we got to see some cool things right. we got to see the the gold cloaks go through the city ransack it and you know kill some people there so there's a lot of fun action in, in episode one on top of the storyline being great the writing being great here it was more like setting the tone and so i will rank it a little bit lower i'll give this one a 9.0 out of 10 but i want to hear your takeaways overall from the episode what did you take away from it yeah, uh, I mean, of course, I thought the writing was done really well. Uh, here's a big takeaway I have. One thing uh, I think we should mention is that when Viserys announces that he's going to marry Alicent, Rhaenyra is really upset over that. Like, she is not happy. So the whole blessing <laughs> to marry, that whole shit went out the door like the minute you said you're gonna marry her best friend that's a lot younger than you like a lot younger i granted i don't think she thought he would marry elena valarian either but at the same time allison is still very young at this point in time so that's kind of like uh you know you kind of have like a bitter taste uh, is what I would say between the two over that. Um, as far as I really liked the fact on this, uh, just like you said, I mean, the visuals are always stunning. Like Dragonstone, it was amazing to be back in that realm again. And you saw it with like the fog, when, especially when Caraxes came out and then Cyrax swoops down and you have that big standoff. Um, and, and another point I did want to say, this was a really funny quote it's not really important at all but it's when uh they're on dragonstone and you know otto is with sir Kristen, and i thought this is really funny because it goes to show how much like basically damon didn't give a fuck and is just trying to uh almost like belittle people in a way but it was really funny he goes sir crispin was it and Sir Kristen Cole goes, Sir Kristen, my prince. Oh, I, I couldn't. David goes, oh, I couldn't recall. And then Sir Kristen goes, perhaps my prince recalls when I knocked him off his horse. <laughs> and I thought that was great. So uh, the dialogue was great. Um, also, this is kind of when you're starting to see a little bit more of Kristen Cole and him coming into his own role here. Because we do really... We saw him a little bit last episode, but he's really starting to come into his own character. Um, so I, I overall, I just thought it was great. Definitely, like you said, it's definitely more of a filler episode. I think they did it right, though. I mean, I feel like it can be so cliche to go into these big series where you want to see big dragons like going at it all the time and battles all the way happening. And when that happens, a lot of times you overshadow the bread and butter which what game of thrones bread and butter is that people forget is the writing which is why they had so many issues <laughs> that we've talked about so many times so i thought it was great man so that's what i would say really my takeaways are it's just setting up 
uh, for things to come. But this is kind of really when you have the bitter taste in people's mouth starts to happen. And Rhaenyra has really showed that she, you know, just like she was showing in the beginning, choosing people based on battle experience, which is why she chose Sir Kristen Cole, where the other ones didn't have that. She has that military experience herself. Um, I think she would make a great ruler, but um, at this point in time, and, uh, you know, you can tell it's just, you know, everyone needs some counseling is what I think with this family. It's dysfunctional. <laughs> and I'll go so far to say that. So what are your overall kind of, I know you said overall, like, takeaways for the whole thing but how do so, you think as far as like the action and stuff in the episode yeah i what i want to say is i don't necessarily think that rhaenyra has any sort of battle experience she's only 15 years yeah. old and i don't think she's seen real battle. i mean she definitely went in there with the intentions that if it came to a battle they, they she was gonna be ready she was on serax's back and i i did think this was funny too when she hopped off Otto Hightower is like, hey, someone escort the princess back to her dragon. And she's like, she tells him, hey, whoever decides to touch me better watch out because Seraxis is really uh, protective of me. So they're like, ah, all right, I'm not going to touch yeah. it. I don't want to get burnt alive by this damn dragon. So, you know, she does have an air of authority and she probably could be a good ruler. But I, I can't say that she's got battle experience to this point uh, unless things have happened when she was a, younger. Because she's only about 15 years old right now, right? So... Yeah, I don't know. Well, I just meant uh, strategic planning, uh, not necessarily that she's like gone sword. To I don't sword. even know. Like, like outside of like, I, I, would would you say that though? Because what planning has she done? She she gave the the idea of possibly sending dragon riders to the stepstones as a show of force, but I don't really know what other plans that she's come up with, and I'm not even necessarily sure that's a, that's a great one that she had. But, you know, she what I do like is she isn't afraid to voice her opinions around important people. Like that's a great quality. Uh, in a leader mm -hmm. so that that part's good there and in terms of the, the overall takeaways with the episode and and all that I, I think it would have been cool to see at least some level of battle maybe you know i would like to see a, i'm trying to think about it because i also do want to keep this one guy to the side because i'm very interested in sir harold i really want to know what this guy's oh he's obviously the the head of the king's guard the commander of the king's guard so He's got to be. I mean, think about it. Who was the head of Kingsguard for uh, Joffrey and, and Robert Baratheon? It was. I know exactly who. Barristan Selmy. That's what it is. Barristan Selmy, Sir yeah. Barristan. Right. So we know that Barristan Selmy was considered one of the top knights in the kingdom at his height. Even Jamie Lannister would go back to saying, say, that it was it was like poetry watching Barristan Selmy fight, and it was like artistry. He's like a a painter, and he only uses the color red is what Jamie Lannister said. So yeah. we can see someone who had the back of Rhaegar, of Robert Baratheon, of Joffrey for a couple days. You know, this guy is a heavy player in terms of his battle experience and ability. I can only imagine what Sir Harold is like because Sir Harold is the head of the Kingsguard for a Targaryen king, right? You know, mm -hmm. so I just, I, I, I mean, I obviously Barristan Selmy was there for the Mad King as well. Right, and I shouldn't have said Rhaegar because Rhaegar yeah. technically wasn't king; he was the prince, and Ares was the king, the Mad King. Yeah, he was, he, was, he the, was king. the king's guard for Ares, and obviously he did mm -hmm. spend a lot of time with Rhaegar, and that's why he was telling Daenerys all those things about him going to the the poor towns mm -hmm. and singing, and you know all that good stuff. 
So he did protect Rhaegar in addition to it, but just Rhaegar was never king because, you know, he died when Barath- Robert Baratheon killed him and the trident, right? So right. that's the whole point of me saying this and bringing up Barris and Selmy is we see how well trained and how great of a knight Barris and Selmy was in his prime. I can only imagine what Sir Harold could be. So I would have loved to see maybe a quick, not, not like a finishing thing. I think it'd be really great if Rhaenyra flew in before anything crazy crazy but i would love to have seen a maybe a one-on-one blow for blow sword fight with like sir harold and damon just going at it because uh, yeah. because we did <laughs> we could get to get to see sir kristen and damon go at it and when it was all fair and they were facing each other damon won that battle right we saw that the, the tournament thing and obviously when he turned his back things happened I would have loved to see Sir Harold and Damon go one-on-one, maybe for a couple sequences until Rhaenyra showed up on the dragon and everything kind of separated. Like, that would have been cool. You know, but yeah. at the same time, I also want to keep him on the side because I'm really curious about his ability. And I wonder if we ever are going to see him do anything. And the reason I, I say that is, you know, you and I, you know, being where the series is at in the current, you know, day... Mm-hmm. It, we don't see terribly too much of him, you know, and what would not, it doesn't really give anything away, but we see how much King Viserys ages throughout this, uh, yeah. the series, the season. So it's, it begs the question of what Sir Harold's role is. And if he is as good of a protector or a knight as I'm assuming he is, I just don't know if we'll ever see it. So I would have been nice if we could have saw a little back and forth. You know, Damon's a badass, and you have to assume Sir Harold's a badass, and that would have been really great to have them go one-on-one just for a bit before, you know, Rhaenyra came in, and then they ended up breaking it up before the dragons got involved and everyone got toasted. So, I don't know. I would have liked to see something like that. That would have been really interesting. I would have made this episode just jump a little bit higher in my rankings of how I viewed it. It's still a great episode. Don't get me wrong. It's not... And I'm not gonna shit on it. I still give it a nine out of ten. That's pretty damn good. So, so I don't know. That those are my overall takeaways and some of the things I wish kind of would have happened versus did happen. But at the end, the overall takeaway is that it was a setup episode for what's coming in the future. A lot of important key things were moved into place here, and I think there's a lot of moments and key happenings. That, ha- that you know we'll see in the future that we can come back to episode two here and say oh you know this all happened because of x y and z here in episode two so that was my overall takeaways what debates do you have for this episode yeah first i want to say on a side note because i can't believe i didn't think of this last episode um because this goes back to something i mentioned all the way in you know, when we did season one at the very beginning with our first big arc of Game of Thrones. This is probably a stretch. Whoever was listening, thank you. We got the dragon saddles, man. Finally, we're sitting on some shit. <laughs> like, you saw that came out of nowhere. What'd you think of finally? Like, we're not just riding, uh, you know, we're not throwing, we didn't have any cloths. I'm surprised. You know, Danny and John didn't fly off <laughs> before. Now, you know, we're latched on with saddles, man. I mean, you saw Rhaenyra when she came in on Cyrax. She was about to be thrown off, latched onto the saddle. Finally, I mean, whoever was out there, thank you. I appreciate it. It really means a lot. HBO, please send us the Marauders. 
<laughs> just saying. <laughs> yeah, just saying. Uh, what'd you think? It's really funny you say that because I think we saw the saddle specifically. You know, a couple times last episode when she first flew at the very beginning of the episode, then at the very end where she says Dracarys and, and Sorax walks up to the bodies and burns it. You see the saddle on there. And not for nothing, I will say in a few episodes, we see someone try to ride a dragon without a saddle and almost, like you mentioned, flies off. And I don't want to give nothing away, but it just makes for a great point of how this never got brought up in the original Game of Thrones at all. And you know, I'm, they, as we see, and we've kind of made the, you know, we've hinted towards this, it seems as if they're doing their best to correct some mistakes that they've noticed. And obviously, in when you know, with the progression of the internet and being able to have the majority speak their opinions, it's got to get back to people at some point. And so it looks like they took the audience's opinions and thoughts into consideration as they made this show and decided to tighten it up a little bit so i definitely appreciated that yeah i think it's great man uh as far as debates go um here is my debate for today and it's definitely gonna rise some controversy i wouldn't exactly say i'm team green i'm more team damon than anything because i don't like either side (laughs) honestly but as you see on my table here today i got team black with damon team green with alicent um my question is the series decision do you think it was to help the alliance to marry alicent and or or both it can be a both answer or do you think he actually loves Alicent based on the time he was spending with her and I don't want to give anything away for episodes in the future but do you think Otto was trying to maneuver the situation to help position the realm in himself in some way both or do you think he was really trying to be a good hand and friend to Viserys by sending Alicent his way. I think part of that is true, but also part of it could be true the other way as well, based on what he said of make sure, try to, I recommend basically wearing one of your mom's old dresses, which is very strange to me. (laughs) But so that's my thoughts. Do you think there is bad intentions from Otto and or good intentions from Otto. And do you think Viserys was marrying Alicent to specifically help the realm? Or do you think he actually loved her and enjoyed her company for who she was? These are fun. And the reason I say that is there's so many different answers that could make sense. And I'll try to go in the order that you just mentioned there. But sometimes my brain gets scattered. So, uh the, the first thing is, do I think that there were bad intentions or good intentions from Otto sending Alicent the king's way after Emmett died? I think initially it was a, it was a show of like friendship and, and comfortability. You know, he lost his wife too. Otto Hightower did. So he mm-hmm. knows what the king's going through and maybe some like a friendly face and comfort is something that what he needed. But the whole addition of maybe you would wear one of your mother's dresses is a little suspect. Um, 
and they, they were spending a lot of time together. And, you know, I remember Otto Hightower even asked her, are you going to see the king again? And then she said, if you wish it, you know, so he's definitely trying to put Allison around him as much as possible. I don't necessarily know if the goal was to get them to marry or at the very least, you know, get them to cross lines to where maybe he would put a baby in her maybe with even without marriage but then at that point it would technically be a bastard so that wouldn't necessarily work so who knows um in terms of the the my thought of were there bad intentions or good intentions i just it, it's hard for me to tell because what do you consider a, in his mind that wouldn't have been a bad intention let's say his his goal the whole time was to get allison to marry the king uh it, then i just don't see it's not a bad intention it's not like he's trying to screw the realm over like I said, I think he does things for the good of it. He, in his mind, he thinks if the king can produce a male heir, it's going to be in better shape than what it currently is now with giving a woman the Iron Throne. And even before that, it's still even the brother thing is still not a an ideal situation. You know, it's supposed to pass from you know father to eldest son, and that's just kind of how it's meant to go. And Unfortunately, certain things happened to where that still just wasn't possible in the situation. So I'm thinking that's he he's definitely acting out of the good of the realm. Is there selfish perks to that? Sure, absolutely. Uh, but to go into the next part of what you asked and asked, you do, I think he married Allison f- to help the realm or if he loved her. I don't think it was for either. Um, I don't think he loved her, and the reason why is in one of the episodes in the future, and this doesn't ruin anything, this is just a fact of what happens, he ends up referring to Allison by Emma's name once. And so I just don't mm-hmm. think he, and love is such a strong word, maybe he enjoyed her company and it was a sense of comfort and you know familiarity. And it, it, what I ended up thinking though is, because maybe in his head it, it could help the run, but I just think he's wrong because... The, the Hightowers, they're a strong family. They're a great ally. But they're not... They wouldn't be what's best for the realm in its entirety. So in my opinion, he did it in a way to put Lord Corlys in his place. And say, listen, you don't make the decisions here. I appreciate your proposal, but I'm going to make my choice. And you're not going to bully me or push me into it. And that's what I think happened more than anything else. I think that he felt pressured because we saw even from last week Lord Colius was constantly hammering him and speaking to him almost like he was an equal you know and that's I think that was that that bugged Viserys that he had the quote unquote audacity to speak to the king so plainly you know while he walked in and and brought up the the issue in the Stepstones not crazy um, disrespectfully at first He's like, hey, you know, this is something that we need to focus our attentions on. And of course, it's kind of kept getting pushed to the background with that concern. And then over a while, it started becoming a point of tension. Remember, then he stormed in there and said, now they've taken four ships. One was my banner, like yelling at the king. And, and you know, the, the, everyone's, he's like, dude, who's this guy to just be shouting at the king like this? And then, then he proposed that he grabs the king to the side and tries to, you know, feed him this uh, this fantasy of how great the realm would be. I don't want to say fantasy because maybe it would have been if he would have listened, but like the, of how great it'd be if they join their houses and they could rule the, the skies and the seas together. And, and, you know, I think it's another thing that, that Viserys has felt that he was pushing him and pushing him. And then when he finally did 
uh, choose Alicent, you saw Lord Kohler stormed out of the room and decided to make a weird alliance with Damon on the side. So it, for me, I don't necessarily think it was because he loved Alicent. I don't know if he did it for what's good of the realm. I think he he did it to put Lord Corliss in his place. And at that point, and now that's a great point that you make because I, I say I, I kind of made it, but this is uh, like the um, a common theme with him. Just last week, he basically threw the realm away because he was mad at Damon. He could have had a male heir and just dealt with it, Damon, but Damon pissed him off because he said some rude things in the whorehouse. And then he's <laughs> like, you know what? You're not my heir anymore. I'm choosing someone else. So right there is another thing. It seems like he makes these impulsive decisions based on who pisses him off. And so Damon made him mad yeah. last week. And so that he's like, all right, Damon, well, you're out. And now Lord Corliss annoyed him up until this point. And he's like, no, Lord Corliss, you're not in charge here. So you're out. So it just seems, you know, Viserys is making this wrong move after wrong move. And I do feel like Viserys has a good heart and good intentions. But it just seems that he's not making the right logical choices in, in, in my mind. So to answer your question there, I don't think it was either because he loved Alicent, and I don't think it was because he thought that was the best move possible for the realm. I think he did it because it is a good move for the realm. Not the best, but it's a good one. It's okay. You know, strengthens two houses that are, you know, the high tower is a strong house, and obviously Targaryen has the highest seat in the Seven Kingdoms. So you know, it wasn't necessarily out of left field, but it definitely wasn't the best move. So I can't say he did it for the the greater good of the realm, and I can't say he did it because he loved Allison. I think he did it to remind everyone who makes the rules. That's my thought. I agree with you. I do. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think Otto had more intentions to... Uh, I don't want to call it uh, snake-wise. I don't think he is. I think he gets misjudged for that a lot. I think you're right. I think it was more for the good of the realm. I think, you know, I think he looked at it. Um, we always say this, you know, unfortunately, sorry, this is a patriarchal uh, society where, you know, unfortunately, male heirs are looked at as given more of a role here. So I think that that's kind of what he thought was he saw the realm as vulnerable and i think it was you know really to have her sleep with him to produce a male heir is what i think but i think that viserys just like you said just kind of enjoyed her company and felt pressure to remarry and he was like well i'm not going with this one side so i guess like who have i been spending my time with and he just kind of jumped on it versus even, which is interesting because I don't want to give anything away for the next episode, but he didn't really seek anyone out either. If you realize that, like he just kind of jumped on it and chose Allison. So I think that's really what happened there. So I think it goes down to, I mean, people want to choose sides, but there's really not any good side. There's no bad side. There's no good side is just is what it is i think the only good side is damon because he does whatever the fuck he wants <laughs> that's what i think but yeah what are your debates for today man i've actually got two debates and the first we'll start off with the fun one my question is what do you think would have happened if the dragons never took part in that little standoff on the walkway 
So Serax never came in. Caractus never came in. It was just the two armies with their swords. Uh, not armies, but like the 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 little you know the twenty guards on one side and the whatever amount of guards on Damon's side. What do you think would have happened if it came to steel on steel with these with this group here? That's a a great question, and because I I wonder how many of the gold cloaks would have stayed loyal to Damon with Otto there, knowing that they're still responsible for Viserys sending Otto and Kristen Cole and the rest of the Kingsguard there. So I wonder how many would have taken Damon's side. If we're talking about straight steel on steel, Dark Sister against whatever the fuck that was, the mace and shoot the fucking steel. I think I think Kristen Cole would have held his own against like the regular gold cloaks there. But when it came down to Damon, I think it would have been a badass battle, like one on one on that fucking bridge. Like how badass would have that been? I think Otto's fucked. I mean, he was probably like good back in the day, but just because you're like a, a hand of a king, that means you're very smart and intellectual. It doesn't mean you're great in combat. Look what happened to Tyrion. I mean, he tried. I mean, but look what they also said when he was down in the crypts, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, he was trying to talk himself up that he was so good at combat. And they were like, no, you stay down here. <laughs> like, I mean, that doesn't mean Otto can necessarily be skilled in hand-to-hand combat. I think what it would come down to is it'd be a bloody fucking battle. But unfortunately, there's an episode that comes up later on that I don't want to give away where I could really use to my advantage here. Talking about <laughs> skill. And I think... Uh, I don't want to say I think Damon would fuck him up. <laughs> but here's what I do think. I do think uh, it would be a hell of a battle. I think Damon would lose almost his entire army of gold cloaks. Because keep in mind, they're gold cloaks. They're, they're skilled with protecting King's orders. And handing, almost like a military police kind of thing. But as far as being like the king's best men and king's guard i don't really think they can hold their own against that but so i think damon would lose most his men but i think it would come down to like damon would survive and then otto and Kristen cole would be dead and it, i mean taking the dragons out of it i think that's what would happen uh in my opinion what about you yeah, so I want to like really set the scene here. So none of the King's Guard actually went except Sir Harold. And I guess Sir Kristen Cole because he was just newly appointed to the King's yeah, Guard. Yeah, sorry, that's really so, what I was thinking. So there's like only Sir Harold. Yeah, there's only there. two two men of the King's Guard on Otto Hightower's side. The rest of the twenty that they brought were Otto Hightower's personal household guards from House Hightower. Oh, uh, okay. So, I wasn't sure who they were. So I those were yeah, because remember, the King's Guard only has seven. And mm-hmm. you're not gonna right. you're yeah. not gonna you leave the king with no king's guard back in King's Landing, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like they so right now they left the king with five and so it was just Sir Harold and Sir Kristen that were of the King's Guard and the rest were just twenty of the best of House Hightower's personal guard. So yeah. that you know, that kind of evens the playing field a little bit, but I do agree with you that the gold cloaks aren't necessarily skilled in, in hand to hand combat because they're mainly regular police i don't even say military police i would say like right re- <laughs> like re- regular police that 
You know, they're yeah. just they're there to clean up the city, make sure that he ain't stealing, he ain't killing, and he ain't raping, right? <laughs> like, so <laughs> yeah, I think exactly. that's that's just kind of <laughs> the way that that turns out. So, I don't know, man. I I, I think that the battle would have been really cool to see, and it would kind of come down to numbers in a way, like how many uh, of the gold cloaks there were versus how many of the other side. I don't think Sir Chris and Cole would have been Damon's hardest challenge. It would have been Sir Harold. I think that I really, I, I do so really want to know yeah. about this guy. And obviously, you know, we don't get to see too much of him, and especially I don't think we get to see anything of him in a combat situation. Would love to see it, but I think that would have been really, really cool. And for those who don't know, the actor who plays uh, Sir Harold plays Dijkstra in The Witcher. So he's the. Let's <laughs> so, uh, yeah, That that, that was really cool. Just to, to kind of you know paint that towards other franchises that we do cover, but I what I end up what I think ends up happening is yeah he would lose the majority of his gold cloaks if not all pretty much all of Otto Hightower's guards gonna be hacked away I think you know probably just for storyline purposes you know Otto Hightower was probably wounded but survives uh, I yeah I think that Chris and Cole probably would die there but sir harold maybe grabs auto high tower and they're the only two that survive and get out and damon's probably one of the only survivors on his side and he gets out maybe they're all wounded a little bit but i thought that would have been really cool to see though that would have been really awesome to see just a little little action there on on the walkway you, you can imagine just like the steel on steel and people throwing each other over the edge and fall into dude their that would be sick <laughs> throwing each other over they dive for the eggs, like I said last episode or this episode. Like he tosses the egg off the bridge. I'm just <laughs> <fucking idiot. laughs> He's sick so, though. I mean, I just yeah, it would have. We would have a lot less uh, people involved uh, in House of the Dragon after this that battle. As that by like my head tells me, but I think all the key people would survive. Well, I guess you know, Sir Kristen Cole does play a key integral part of all this, uh, especially going forward. You know, so that would have killed a little bit of certain storylines. So, you know, maybe he would end up surviving, but maybe he maybe he gets injured so bad he goes into a coma, has got to wake up later on. I don't know, but uh, you know, it's it's. I think that would have been really cool, but I'm not upset with what we got. We got to see the two dragons go face off. They didn't get to fight, but you know, they saw him, you know, face to face, which was pretty cool. So can't can't be too sad about seeing dragons on screen. But yeah, no, that was that was my first debate, and then number two is what do you think would have changed for the future of this show if Viserys stuck to the script and married Lena Velaryon instead of Alison Hightower? Oh, that's a good one. That's a badass one. Uh, interesting. That's one I don't think of a lot. That's really good. Um... I think, well, one, you're not, I think it would, honestly, I think it would really change the entire aspect of the show because uh, I think Coilus Valerian, he wouldn't be really debating the vulnerability of the realm because I don't want to give anything away for the episodes later, but um, the Valerians being the Valyrians of old, they've always, I don't say they're really out, I don't mean they're out for themselves, but in a way, they're really about strengthening their own house and kind of moving up the ladder, almost like someone uh, 
you know, moving up in their own career or something. They're really out. I don't want to say they're out for themselves, but they are about strengthening their house. Um, so I think it wouldn't worry as much on that end, but at the same time, then you would still have this whole crab feeder scenario. So who knows? Maybe that still blows up later on. But then you have Damon basically by himself over there. So Damon's still going to go rogue. So I think the way this would change is eventually maybe you have like more of a Daenerys, Daenerys Targaryen situation, but from Damon's perspective. And he comes back to try to reclaim what's rightfully his. Maybe you have something like that and that it's kind of Damon versus the rest of the realm. Um, and he goes in, you know, I don't think he has a whole lot of interest in the crab feeder, but um, we don't want to get anything up for later episodes. But based on like the dragon egg, maybe he tries to build his own army with dragon eggs or something. Who really knows? But uh, to answer your question directly, I think it would change the course of the action of the show to a small extent to where something that happens very much later down the road from here as far as like alliances with people would not occur but I do think still Rhaenyra's succession would be challenged so eventually you would have this war break out Um, I just think you would basically at this point have uh, one big massive war breakout on one side and then you would kind of have Damon as like the it's so funny I'm even making a reference like this like he's anywhere close to <laughs> something like that like he's anywhere close to righteous the dear lord knows he's not righteous at all <laughs> but try to like reclaim what's his which could fuck up the entire war now that would be something really cool to see but uh, it doesn't play out that way so uh, we could play what if scenario would have should have cut all day, <laughs> but who knows what? It, what do you think, man? How do you think that works out? Yeah, well, here's the thing. I don't necessarily think at that point it would be rightfully Damon's because if he weds Lena Valarian, and let's say they, it really depends if they have children or not, and if they have children, if they have sons or not, because at that point there's really no claim for anyone else but. But, I mean, they're, they're both of the blood of old Valyria. So I don't know. It'd be really tough for you to keep that firstborn son off the Iron Throne if it goes that way. And so I think the pressure would be too much for Viserys to be able to stick with Rhaenyra as the heir. Cause, and this does go into another episode at one point. Viserys admits to have thought about a change of heart one time. And I'll just say that. I won't you know, give any context behind it. So if he would already consider it, you know, based on what does happen in this series, I can only imagine what that would look like with a child of pure you know, Valyrian blood, right? So Valyrians and Targaryens are of the old Valyrian blood. So if you've got a, a, a firstborn male, trueborn son of the king of full Valyrian blood... I don't know how you keep that off the Iron Throne. And so, that, actually, no one else would really have a claim at that point. Because they, it'd, be the first, right. it'd be the firstborn son, and it's, it's all 
kosher because they're married. You know, his wife had died. That's all legal within what happens in Westeros. And so Damon just wouldn't really have a claim. And he can get as mad as he wants, and he can cause as many problems as he wants. But I think at that point, what ends up happening is it, it, it really does the intended outcome and unites the realm. I think that's what the realm really needed was to have those two come together. Because deciding to marry Alison Hightower in a way to send a message to the Valarians that, hey, you don't run shit here, I run shit here, it just yeah. throws things all into a, a, a tizzy. Because now you've got the, the, a true-born son of Viserys and Allison. Let's see, you know, obviously, they got, I know it doesn't give terribly too much away, but you know, they've got their ch- children and... Technically, it is the firstborn son, a trueborn son of the king, but it's not of pure Valyrian descent. You know, it's half Targaryen, half Hightower, right? So it's you go along this thing is does it have as good of a claim as a pure Targaryen such as Rhaenyra? You know, she's got a great claim to it. But if you've got Elena Valarian and and Viserys Targaryen and they have one, that's that's tough. That's tough to try to sell the realm on. We're gonna keep Rhaenyra as the as the heir there. So I think, you know, in, in the perfect world, what would have happened is it would have done just as it intended. Like, yes, there's still going to be conflict and likely Damon becomes the main villain at that point in time, you know, because that's the only issue. You know, we're not having these inner politics of, you know, and not for nothing, but just to, to name a few things without going into detail, you know, how strong comes into play in a little bit versus House Hightower versus, you know, like it's not so many inner working house politics. I think Otto Hightower would have accepted, you know, the outcome of mm-hmm. Lane of Lorien. He seemed to always just accept what the king had to say, even to the point of, you know, when the king and him fall out for a little bit. And I'll just say that. So... In my mind, if he sticks to the script and and marries uh, Lena, a lot of our problems are solved. And that, right. you know, and obviously you can't make a fun drama-filled show if you know it all turns out as it should, right? So what right. I think would have ended up happening is you would have strengthened two houses. They would have been happy with each other. The 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 realm itself would have been stronger, and people would have, you know, that that dynasty would have lasted. I don't think. I, the huge civil war that breaks out, you know, that's coming that we you know from the books, you know, obviously we, we know that that's coming and even what's her face? Um, Arya Stark read about it. And when she got captured in Harrenhal was telling Tywin about it. So, you know, we probably have just the realm against Damon. And I think that that's really yeah. the only, the only thing. And I, at that point, what I think would likely happen if we were going to do a revisionist history is Damon likely sides with the Free Cities and maybe we have the first big war between the Free Cities and Westeros. And yeah. we, have, we have Essos versus Westeros and we see what happens from there. And I think that's kind of where the, the big conflict would come from. But I don't think you could do much better for the realm than uniting those two houses, have full control of the skies with the dragons, full control of the seas with the, uh, with the Valarians and the ships and their navy. And for the most part, they controlled all the, they had all the dragon eggs until Damon stole the one. You know, so you'd really yeah. have to assume that Damon would be able to steal a whole bunch to even have like a fighting chance yeah. or other, other than that, or just you know, hope that he ends up having a son with somebody and that son is able to find Vagar first who has no dragon rider at the moment and you know hope that that <laughs> helps out right so like 
Yeah. That that's the only thing I could I, I what I would say is I think it would go as the plan and the conflict would change versus a Game of Thrones esque thing where there were little houses are fighting for more power and plays to the we've got a really strong realm but you pissed off someone who is is very powerful and 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 a intellectual guy, smart guy, and he ends up getting powerful allies and he comes to take it by force and now you got two like huge really strong armies against each other we got the, the whole of Westeros versus the whole of Essos, you know, the Essos on Damon's bag, Westeros on, you know, whoever the son of Viserys and Lena would be down the road. And I think that would be still really cool. I'd love to see that just as well as what actually does happen. Cause what actually does happen just plays a lot more politics to my liking than something of, you know, strength against like full strength there. You know what I mean? I think that would be, that'd be super cool. So that's, that's my thoughts on it. Yeah, I got. I, I thought of a very interesting hypothetical situation before we close out here, and I, I could. It, it probably plays more into a role in a few episodes later on that we'll go into. But I was so interested by it, I have to bring it up now. I'm not going to spoil anything, but uh, it relates to what happened last episode that I talked about. Remember when um, Damon is really trying to get under Otto Hightower's skin, and remember he asked for princess allison's support so say you have all this go down well she she's she wasn't a princess at the time just fyi well sorry yeah yeah exactly (laughs) lady lady allison hightower yeah so much for you know spoiler alert right (laughs) (laughs) anyways lady allison but point is otto is still in a position of power he's the hand of the king it's pretty important and he's kind of getting under otto's skin here say all this stuff kind of goes down a little bit differently. Say he never leaves for Dragonstone and uh, Viserys, you know, marries Lena Valarian and you kind of have everything going through the proper protocol, even though Otto's kind of a little bit pissed at this point. What if you had something of this situation where Damon kind of, in a way, makes Alicent kind of turn more to his side and that's kind of how i'll say that and talk about how i'll i'll say we always i mentioned that the high towers are very close to the sept of baylor right you know given into account how he's always at the brothels with Masaria and stuff if he broke allison out of her shell do you realize what hell and chaos that would cause like what are your thoughts on that it's funny if he even took it a step further and had Damon Mary Allison, that would have caused some. <laughs> Holy shit, dude! It'd be insane. That would be fucking crazy. What do you What do you think? Do you think the world implodes at that point, or what? Do you think there's a war that happens? What if you know, like, say Damon wants to reclaim what's rightfully his after this whole thing, and then fucking you know he does this whole thing with Allison, and then she feels like maybe he should have been the rightful heir, almost like Missaria, and then you have this whole corrupt issue with. Religion with the Septa Baylor. What do you think? Again, I think we're throwing this rightful heir here thing too loosely because if we're talking about, oh, yeah. we're talking about you know, Viserys um, and and uh, Lena married. Let's say and, Lena couldn't produce a male. Oh, okay, if she couldn't produce a male heir, then that that's one thing. Um, but then yes, then he's got a strong claim. But like, what if? She, they, now, now we're kind of getting into like another deeper aspect of this. Like, what if they did produce a male heir, 
and he still went ahead and married Allison anyways. See, I think that would have made Viserys happy because now, oh, we're still joining our houses, Otto. You know, like my brother is marrying your daughter. And so the Hightowers and Targaryens are together. Because you see, Viserys is very much like that. He loves everyone he wants. Everyone, he wants to do his best to please everyone, but also kind of do his best to Rome. He, he doesn't really make, you know, he he's not the kind to rock the boat. The biggest thing he did to rock the yeah. boat was decide to marry Allison instead of Lena. But if we're doing this whole what if, what if thing and... We're going with the trope that him and Lena were able to produce. You know, so honestly, what that would do is it probably ostracize House Hightower, and we might get to the point where Otto Hightower turns into someone who wants to see King Viserys and like, their line gone. You know, because not only did yeah. you spurn my daughter and not marry her, you married her to someone who's been outwardly disrespectful to me since day one, and he's gonna sit there and throw it in my face like for as long as I live. So not only did you not want to marry, you passed it off to the second son, the guy who's a dickhead to everyone, and now they're married and they're going to have kids, and now he's got to be a part of my family. Like, I think that really kind of goes, like, that kind of pisses everybody yeah. off, but, like, or not everybody. You might have the Hightower Rebellion at Honestly, that yes, that's what I'm thinking. You'd have the Hightower Rebellion at that point in time. <laughs> uh, I just don't think it would have lasted very long, because I don't know how many people would have took Hightower's side. But, um, but, yeah, I think that would have been more of a interesting interesting thing there so but to then if we're going to go back to your side here of maybe they couldn't produce an heir and we still had damon in play and he married allison and at that point we kind of have what we have going on now just with different people and i, I don't want to give anything away but that's kind of what i mean by that you know it's still going to yeah. end up kind of being in a similar situation just with different individuals yeah, basically Damon would be wearing a lot of green at that point is what would probably happen. But no, that's great, man. Uh, badass. I'll, I'll let you close us out for the day, brother. Sounds like a plan, you guys. If this is your first time joining us, we appreciate you tuning in. Hope you enjoyed what you heard. You've been with us from the beginning. Thank you again for being the shields that guard the realms of fantasy. If you haven't checked us out on social media, we're on all platforms. So check us out on Instagram. We're at Official Ridiculous Patronus at TikTok at Ridiculous Patronus on Facebook, Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy on YouTube, Ridiculous Patronus, Snapchat, RP Factor Fantasy, Twitter, RP Factor Fantasy, and we do have our own website as well, ridiculouspatronus.blogspot.com. So go ahead, follow along, subscribe, like, audience engagement to those channels is what we're looking for. So thank you for doing that already if you do, and if you don't, start doing it. <laughs> but uh, if you're looking in terms of where you can find our podcast specifically, if you're an Apple user, you can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. If you are an Android user, we're on Google Play. We're on uh, Spotify. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on Audible. We're on Amazon Music. We're on Stitcher. We're on Acast. We're on our host site, Podbean. So please go ahead and leave those reviews. And uh, you can also go ahead and now leave star review ratings on Spotify as well. So please go ahead and do that if you haven't already. But outside of that, guys, you know this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. Signing, Signing off. off.